Well, boy, what an amazing song that is, and I wish we could be together because I know you guys would erupt in applause, and I'm just so grateful that you have taken the time to join us this weekend as we kick off a brand new series called An Unstoppable Force, the DNA of a Dangerous Church, and uh, I can't wait to gather. I know this weekend we were supposed to be uh, together here in this room, and I was looking forward to it, and I know uh, due to just safety issues and concerns and contact tracing and all sorts of things that are going on. Uh, We're not able to open as a uh, weekend uh, on our campus, Uh, but this Sunday night at seven o'clock, I cannot wait to celebrate with you guys, to sing with you guys. Matter of fact, you heard Jacob in the video say that we have 20 people uh, signed up for baptism. Actually, it's up to 25 now. And uh, this is gonna be a night where we get to come together to sing and to see God's life change. Even when we can't meet like this, God is always working. And uh, not only is Sunday, night going to be special. Something that we're doing new for this series is, uh, you know, when we look at the book of Acts, which we're going to be doing over the next uh, eight weeks, something that the church always did was they came together and they prayed together. And I know we have life groups, but I know some of us, we miss a little bit of a bigger gathering. And so what we're going to do over the next uh, eight Wednesdays uh, at 7 a.m. on Wednesday mornings is we're going to gather out on our patio for prayer on the patio at 7 to 7.30. And uh, this is just an open invitation. If you want to come and pray, we'll have our staff leading us through a prayer time. Uh, There's going to be just some great times to focus on some scripture, to pray together, to listen to the Holy Spirit as we start our day, as school kicks off, as all these things start happening. I just want to invite you. And if you've got a friend or two you want to bring, we just say, hey, as a church, we want to be committed to prayer together, to worship together. Uh, and if and I can be honest with you, I know we're, this whole series is called Unstoppable Force. And I'm excited to dive in as we look at the book of Acts and all the things that God was doing. Uh, but as we begin this series, I just want to be open and honest with you. I love the title, An Unstoppable Force, the DNA of a Dangerous Church. But I want to be honest. Right now, it feels like the church is very stoppable. Matter of fact, it doesn't feel very unstoppable to me. I've called a couple of my friends and I've done the national surveys and I've talked to my pastor buddies all across the country and I've read all sorts of data and even the churches that have reopened their campus, the national average of people returning to the weekend service is only 20% of their normal attendance. I talked to one buddy and he said this, he goes, we were so excited to reopen And he said, and the hard part about reopening right now is everything you love about church, you can't do. Can't give people a hug, can't give them a high five. He's like, you can't even serve coffee because literally literally if the the health and safety uh, came in and told us we couldn't open our cafe if we open because the workers can't social distance behind the cafe. And they said, you can't open the ground of cafe. And we're like, well, that's a sign from Jesus. No, not really, but we're going, man, if we can't even serve coffee, if we can't even do this, it doesn't feel like our normal gathering. Matter of fact, I talked to one of my buddies who's a pastor down in Florida. He said they reopened and everything was going well until, a staff member got COVID-19 and they realized the whole staff had been around them and they had to re-shut down the church for safety. And man, when we hear that phrase unstoppable force, it doesn't feel like we are very unstoppable. 
And I get why I want to come together. Matter of fact, I was, I'm going, man, why is it that I want to get together so bad and sing together? And why am I looking forward to nights of worship? Matter of fact, science even backs this up, that there is something that happens chemically in you when you sing these songs to God. When we rejoice, this is why we love him so much. This is why we love worshiping, not just because it's good for our souls, but literally there is a chemical that your body releases called oxytocin. And oxytocin begins to calm your mind, begins to calm your heart. And what happens is, this is why even if you're not a singer, when you hear those songs, when we heard that song together, man, we're just sitting there bopping and you go, man, it does something good to your heart. And what's happening is your body is releasing these chemicals. And I understand why we miss being together because we miss the joy of singing. We miss the joy of getting to tell God how good he is and how grateful we are in singing together. Matter of fact, I saw this picture. I thought, boy, this really kind of represents where we are and what's going on. Uh, I saw this on a, a Twitter account for Star Wars and look at this picture. And it said, it described perfectly the transformation of Anakin. And I thought it reflected where we are great. You know, Anakin here in January. Hey, welcome to 2020, February. Okay. We're growing up a little bit more. March, all right, we're dealing with this. And go, go ahead and bring it back up to the end here. And what happens is you begin to transition and now here we are in August. We're all losing our minds and give us one more month of this and we're all gonna become Darth Vader and start destroying everything around us. I saw that and I went, boy, that kind of might represent a little bit more of who I am right now than what I wanna realize. And no matter where you are, here's the beautiful thing about God. He meets us right where we are. And an unstoppable force isn't that the church is unstoppable because we're very stoppable. We're very broken. We very much so don't have it together. But there is one who does. And so it's not about an unstoppable force as the church. This is about an unstoppable God who is redeeming and intervening and changing all things. I began to reflect on this question and Jacob asked it in the preview and this is gonna kind of set the tone for us and I want you to think about this for a moment. If we could never gather again as the church, how would you know you are being a faithful follower of Jesus? Think about that for a moment. If we could never gather again on a weekend service, if we could never have another Saturday night, if we could never have another Sunday morning, if we could never gather again as a church, how would you know you are being a faithful follower of Jesus? It made me backpedal a little bit. Go, wait, wait, how, how do I measure success? See, oftentimes here's what happens. When we begin to experience something for the first time, which all of us are, there's nobody alive who experienced or even remembers the Spanish flu. So nobody can tell us what that was like, what happened, all this other stuff. So when you and I go through something for the first time, it feels like no one else has done this, except here's what happens. When you begin to read scripture, just because you and I are experiencing something for the first time does not mean this is something that the church is experiencing for the first time. See, this is why we need God's word and we wanna rely more on God's truth than just our experience because our experience doesn't tell us the whole picture. Scripture begins to unfold God's plan and begins to show us because what we find is this, the early church in the book of Acts started great. The Holy Spirit came when Peter preached, 3,000 people got baptized. I mean, we got 25 getting baptized. Now, that's pretty good, right? And, and all this stuff is happening, everything's moving. And then what you find is this, they begin to get persecuted and it says they had to scatter and leave and they preached wherever they went because they could no longer gather together. 
See, just because you and I can't gather together right now, and even if you can, the whole church isn't coming back together and we don't trust crowds and all this other stuff, doesn't mean God is still not at work. This is why we wanna take time over the next couple of weeks to look at this. Matter of fact, what we find is this, the issues in the day of the early church were the same issues that we face. I love how N.T. Wright in his book, Acts for Everyone, his commentary said this, he goes, here's what we've got to realize, that the church, the early church, had crisis over leadership, had money issues, had ethnic divisions, had theology and ethic situations, and serious clashes with political and religious authorities of their day. Well, that sounds like our day, doesn't it? We are clashing all over the place with one another. We can't agree on anything. And then you know what's interesting when you read the book of Acts? Four times throughout the book, it says this phrase, and the word of God increased. When they couldn't gather, the word of God increased. Seven times in the book of Acts, it says this, and the number of disciples increased. Well, wait a second, they weren't able to meet together. How could they increase if they couldn't gather together? See, this is where we need to begin to pay attention to the work of God. Even when our life isn't reflective of what we want, God is always doing a new work. His word is always increasing and the people he wants to reach and redeem, his heart is far bigger for the world than our heart will ever be. I was reading a book this week in preparation for the sermon. It says, the title is, Everywhere You Look, Discovering the Church Right Where You Are by Tim Sorens. He asked this question, and I think we need to answer this today. He said, what we need to wrestle with is this, what is the church for? What's the church for? He goes, we we know we talk about people asking questions, what is the church? And we've said it before, hey, the church is a body, it's not a building, we know that, and we talk about that, but what is the body for? What is the church, the bride of Christ? What are we for? And he referenced Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. And Simon Sinek says this, if you don't start with why, you will focus too much on the what and how and never realize why you're doing it. Matter of fact, right now, some of you have already fallen asleep, man. You've already had your cup of coffee. It's Sunday morning or afternoon or Saturday night. You're watching this and you're already going, oh man, Nate, this is the best hour of my week because it's the best hour nap I take. And let's boil it down to this. Too often times, what we think church is for is only to gather. And this is why our current generation is leaving the church in droves. Because all we've told them is what the church is. We've not told them what the church is for. Here's my hope over the next eight weeks for us. That as we've been talking about when are we going to reopen, my hope is this, that you and I would get a fresh vision of reimagining what the church is for. Of reimagining that the word of God increasing when we can't gather. That we would reimagine the number of disciples increasing and people being reached as we talk about our mission of connecting unconnected people to Jesus Christ. I'm praying over the next eight weeks, Northside family, that we would see the vision and the hope in what church is for. Matter of fact, that's what the book of Acts is all about. The book of Acts is all about recapturing the essence of what the church is for. For some of you in the business world, right now you're trying to figure stuff out and what you're asking yourself or even in your family unit where you're going, what is your priority? What we're really saying is this, what do we value most? Because in hard times, that's how you make decisions. 
You, you crash back up against your values. You go, what are we about? What are we for? Why are we here? And so you're making tough decisions because you're very aware of what you are for and why you are here. This is why our values here at Northside are so meaningful. They're not just words on the wall. And yes, they're pretty and they all start with C. That's why we see C3, right? And we say stuff like this, Christ, community, and calling. And this isn't just so God can be pleased with us. We do this because this is what the church is for. The church exists for Jesus. The church exists for community, for us to be with one another. And the church exists for the calling that God has on her. And this is why it's so important for us to answer that question today. What's the church for? Matter of fact, this is how the book of Acts starts. The book of Acts is a story. It's a story of a man, Luke, who actually writes the gospel of Luke to one man, Theophilus, who has a bunch of questions. Some of you got a bunch of questions. Some of you are going, yeah, I don't know what the church is really for. I thought the church was just to gather. It is so good to gather, but that is not what the church is for. The church is for so much more than just the gathering. Listen what Luke says to Theophilus in Acts chapter one, when he writes to him, he says this. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. If some of you want a real chronological study of the life of Christ, go read the gospel of Luke because Luke writes this to Theophilus. Theophilus is a high ranking Roman official and he knows this. He's going, wait a second, I'm seeing the church pop up. They can't gather, but I'm seeing Christians all over the place and they're changing culture and they're changing their community and they know what they're for, but I don't know what they're for. And he hires Luke to do a research project. And he says, I told you about all of that and how the Holy Spirit came. He says this in verse three, and after Jesus' suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Pay attention to that. Jesus was telling them what they were for. They are for the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, praise the Lord, Jesus loves to eat and hang out. That's why we're table setters, man. We want to set as many tables and eat together and walk through life with people. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So then, when you meet together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? We gotta pay attention to this. Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So much to unpack here. And what I want is to grab our minds around because Theophilus can't, he's trying to figure out what is the church for and why does it exist and why is it changing the world and what's going on? They can't gather and yet God is still changing the world. This unstoppable force is at work. What is going on? And Luke is capturing. He's writing about the several years about how God had been at work in the life of the church even when they couldn't gather together openly and publicly. 
Matter of fact, in that book, uh, Everywhere You Look, Discovering the Church Right Where You Are, I love how Tim, he gave this simple kind of uh, sample of how we mix up what the church is for. And I want us to understand, if we want to become the unstoppable force that God has created the church to be, we have to understand and get our priorities right. And look at this kind of diagram that he drew out in his book that was so helpful to me. He said, typically, this is how we view the church. He said, we think everything revolves around the church and everything revolves around the gathering and the gathering is good. We should not give up meeting together. We should not give up being in our life group. We should not stop meeting. But he said, what happens is too often we focus everything on the church and then we ask the Holy Spirit to do something great. And if we pay attention to the Holy Spirit long enough, we'll get a glimpse of God's dream. When he said, actually what the book of Acts says is this. It's not that it's centered on the church, but the church is centered on God's dream, which is the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus talked about for 40 days. He didn't just say, church, here's how you do a church service and that's all you exist for. He said, I'm here to teach you for 40 days about the kingdom of God. But here's the thing, you can't live in the kingdom of God without the Holy Spirit. So you need to wait for the Holy Spirit because then when he's unleashed, you will go and be my witnesses. You will go and be my church. Church, you and I exist for God's dream which is his kingdom of Jesus ruling and reigning and redeeming all things right now. See, this is what Jesus came to do. Some of you go, well, I wonder what Jesus taught him. You know what the whole biblical narrative is? If you go, what is the whole story about the whole story of Bible? It simply says this, it's about creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. It's about how God created all things good. Adam and Eve sinned, things have been broken. Jesus comes and he redeems all things and now he is restoring all things and he invites you and I into this story of his dream of restoring and redeeming all things even if we can't gather together. See, God is saying it is about my dream, church. Matter of fact, church, you won't even know why you exist unless we understand the kingdom of God and who is at the center of it, which is Jesus. And then Jesus says, and it's not about your behavior. It's not about your good works. It is about the Holy Spirit working in you and now flowing out of you into this world. See, this is why we talk about Christ's community and calling because what Christ says in this moment is this, that you and I need to discover Jesus for ourselves. This is why the church matters. You and I need to discover Jesus for ourselves. You know what I love about the, the book of Luke and Acts? That those two books make up 20% of the New Testament and it's written to one person. Let that sink in for a second. God is willing to write 20% of the New Testament to one person. And here's the thing about Theophilus at the end of the book of Acts, it doesn't say, and he showed up to Northside's night of worship and signed up and got baptized. Doesn't even say that. We don't even know what happened to him, but we do know what God did. God is saying, I want to reach every single person. And yes, am I for the world? Absolutely. And yet am I for every single individual? Absolutely. See, this is the heart of God. This is why we need to discover Jesus for ourselves. And did you notice, we'll talk about this next week. Did you notice even the, the wrong question, right heart, wrong question. Jesus, are you now gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? We're gonna talk about power and control next weekend and why Jesus has all the power and control and really why we struggle with power and control in life. But see, this is what Jesus wants. He goes, it's okay, bring me your wrong questions because I wanna teach you. I wanna guide you in my ways.
He also says this. It's not for you to know the times and the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. See, the power of the resurrection, why the church exists and why we live as the church, even if we can't gather right now or even if we open the doors and it doesn't feel like church, here's the whole hope that we have. Our hope is not in an event that will happen someday. Our hope is in an event that has happened, the resurrection of Jesus. It has happened. Our hope is here. Our hope is inviting us into relationship with him. Matter of fact, Peter describes this and you go, well, how can I trust that, Nate? You know, how can I trust this? Peter describes this when he has to share with the church and in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 and 21, he says this. He says, we didn't follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. If you hang around Northside long enough, you'll hear this phrase that we'll say. Somebody goes, well, I, I, I don't know what to do with my life or I don't know my next step. You, you know what we'll tell you? Join God. Yeah, but what does that mean? No, no, no. What's he doing in your life? I think he's calling me to this. Then join him. I think he's calling me to get back. I think he's calling me to begin to walk and leave this, you know, way of sin or begin to leave my past behind or step into that. Hey, that's all. Join him. Because here's what we find about Jesus. He's always working ahead of us. He's always going before us. I love Isaiah chapter 52, verse 12, where it says this. He says, God will always go before you and he will be your rear guard. He not only will pave the way, he will have your back. This is why we join him. God is saying, you don't have to come up with ways and all this other stuff to please him. He goes, you listen and you join him. You discover Jesus for yourself. You begin to ask questions. Matter of fact, we wanna help invest into you to cultivate this relationship with you and Jesus in the meantime. To say, even though we can't all gather together, man, we want to dive into this. And uh, we're even doing this. This is our sermon series questions that we're gonna be giving you. We're even putting this on the app. But here's the four questions. If you're going, man, how do I begin to experience this relationship with God? How do I begin to know? Even if you read the book of Acts, we wanna give you four simple questions that you can answer and begin to grow in your relationship with God. And not only that, here's why these four questions are so helpful. I'm a dad. And I'm responsible to invest in my kids to know and follow the ways of Jesus. And sometimes, well, not sometimes, let me be honest. In every season of life, especially in parenting, we have no idea what we're doing. We put on the game face like, hey, you listen to me. And I'm looking at Ruthie going, what are we doing? But here's these four questions I want to give you. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, it's simply this. When you read a passage, this is what we need to ask. And we even have this up on here is this. What does this passage say about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, or God's plan? See, it's not just about me telling you something. This is about you discovering who Jesus is. And then we have to ask this question. What does this passage say about people in general? Well, what we're seeing in this passage is this. Sometimes we ask the wrong questions. Well, that's why we need to discover who Jesus is. The third question we need to ask is this, what action do I need to take as a result of reading this scripture? You may want to screenshot this right now, or it is in our app. We'll show you here in a second where you can have this. But we're saying there's an action to be taken. There's this costly obedience. And then the last one is this, who in your life needs to hear this story 
or scripture. We're seeing this unfold that Theophilus needed to hear the story of Jesus because God wanted to change his life. Some of you are going, Nate, where do I get those questions? I didn't get it written down. If you go to our app, I even, we even, the, the tech team made this picture of an app. Look at this, man. I feel like I'm on prices right. Ta-da, right. Uh, da-da-da. There's nobody in the auditorium to laugh. Okay, great. And, uh, and so here's the whole thing with this echoes into eternity. We're going, hey, you can go on day one, day two, day three. As we start this new series, those four questions are there. Because here's what Jesus is consumed with. Helping you and I know who he is so we can know why we exist as the church. You and I need to discover who Jesus is for ourselves. I I, I wanna tell you about him, but here's the deal. It only begins to change in our life when we discover him for ourselves. When we begin to open God's word and we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into us. But here's the beautiful thing about the church. It's Christ, but it's also community, which means this, we need to discover Jesus together. Did you know that Jesus has a trademark on the word y'all? I don't know if you knew that or not. Seriously, he's the one who trademarked the word y'all. In verse eight, he says this. He says, but y'all will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and y'all will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And don't we love being together as a church? That's why we miss one another because there's something powerful that happens. And in this season, what Jesus is saying is this, oh, you need to discover me for yourself, but you also need to discover me together. Because all of us have blind spots. All of us have areas of our life that we don't understand, but other people see and God speaks into our life and we get to follow him together. This is why when we're talking about life group signups and some of you are like, Nate, I ain't signed up for any life group. Okay, great. You know what? Take those four questions, find people you're comfortable with and begin to follow Jesus together and let us come alongside you and support you. Because Jesus says, y'all, Yeah, you wanna know how the church is unstoppable? Not because we're unstoppable, but when y'all start listening to the Holy Spirit and when y'all start working together, the church doesn't see themselves as just individuals. And we don't just see ourselves as only a weekend gathering. We begin to see ourselves as the body of Christ, living out God's dream and his kingdom here on earth, what begins to happen is this, despite anything that we face, we see the church becoming unstoppable. You know, we read in this passage that Jesus shared all this with them while he ate a meal with them. This week I had one of the best meals of my life. Uh, It was Chick-fil-A. And uh, of course, you know, yeah, yeah, everybody's like, well, of course, you know, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A sauce, hallelujah, that is the glory, the Shekinah glory of God falling down on the earth to taste and see the Lord is good. The food was good, but it was more than Chick-fil-A. Matter of fact, I got a picture of the meal that we had this week. And here's what's so cool about this picture. These are all, almost all of our area varsity basketball coaches that come to church here. On the right, it's Andrew Grants, the new coach at Jeff High. Jared Hill, who's out at Henryville. Jim Shannon at New Albany. Todd Sturgeon at Floyd Central. Brandon Hoffman at Silver Creek. And here's the beauty of this meal. 
on the court, they are bitter rivals, right? You, man, you can't cheer for each other then. But there's something powerful about y'all around that table. And what's powerful is this, that community of men, they don't wanna just win games. Oh, they wanna win. They're probably the most competitive guys I know. But they wanna be what the church is for. Men of character who invest and love their communities well as Jesus has loved them. And I tell you, man, we met, here it is, you ready? Three and a half hours, just talking, just yawling out there on the patio. See, there's something powerful about y'all when it's centered around Jesus. When you and I discover Jesus together, when we are saying we wanna commit our lives, our work, our families, our personality, our identity is committed and found in Jesus. Y'all, it gets rich and we find what the church is really for because now we are living this out. And then here's what happens. It's Christ, it's community. And then Jesus points to this. He points to our calling. And you and I, this is what Jesus is inviting us into. He goes, man, if you want to experience being a dangerous church, if you want to experience an unstoppable force, if you want to experience the God of the universe working in your life, he says this, we have to discover Jesus's mission. This is our calling. And our calling, Jesus says, is this, that y'all will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, here's what, here's what your purpose for is, church. Man, gather together, worship together, y'all together. But don't forget your mission. Your mission is to go and be my witnesses in the world. Matter of fact, here's why it's so important. The world will never see Jesus unless we are on his mission of displaying his glory in our everyday life of being everyday followers of Jesus, who are obedient, who are following him, who are listening to the Holy Spirit, who are walking in his ways. Matter of fact, this is one of my favorite quotes Alan Hirsch has in his book, The Permanent Revolution, talking about the kingdom of God. It rephrases what even church looks like. And he says this, I love it. He said, it is not so much that the church has a mission, but that the mission has a church. You see the difference there? It's not so much that we, oh yeah, we want to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ. That's not our idea. That's not our plan. It's reversed. That's God's plan. And he says, and I want to do that through the church. It's not that the church has a mission. It's that the mission has a church. This is what you and I are called to in our everyday lives. Yes, when we gather together and when we don't in our everyday life, in our meals, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. And then here's what's so good. Jesus holds true to his promise. He says, you're gonna be my disciples. You're gonna be my witnesses. You're gonna go in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And when you study the book of Acts, when we open up the book of Acts, here's what happens. In chapters one through five, it goes throughout all of Jerusalem. In chapters six through 11, it starts going into Judea and Samaria. And then from chapter 11 on into chapter 28, it goes into the rest of the world. God is consumed with redeeming and restoring this world through Jesus. Is that what you are for? This is how the church becomes unstoppable. Not because we are, but because God is. 
This is the redemptive move of Jesus that says, move into the world. Yes, don't be of the world, but be in it. And he's saying, man, I want to redeem and restore all things, all places. But here's what's difficult about it. Witnessing, Jesus says, begins with waiting. Let's be honest, we hate to wait, don't we? Thank God for the click list at Kroger and Target. I mean, I don't even know what, I don't even know what we did before that, right? Matter of fact, we, uh, I got mad the other day. I pulled up and there was like nine cars waiting in the click list line at Kroger. I'm like, come on, people. And I'm like, wait a second. I don't even have to go into the store. They bring this out. Life is sweet. Pull back the reins, Nate. Because we hate to wait. Because, man, we're good at building stuff right now. We're good at executing right now. We don't wait for anything. You know what Jesus tells his disciples? Hey, you're going to be my witnesses. Y'all, you're going to be my witnesses. But you got to wait for the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, you won't even be my witnesses without the Holy Spirit. I want to do a work in you that you can't do by yourself. But you got to wait. You know what they did during that waiting time? They had to wait for 10 days until Pentecost. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. They prayed together. They waited together. They listened together until the Holy Spirit came into their life. See, when people get baptized, what we're saying is this, no longer my way, God. Now I'm being filled with their Holy Spirit. I'm waiting on you and I'm going to follow you wherever you call me to go. But here's the deal. You and I, I've got to learn how to wait. We got to learn how to wait on the Lord. We got to learn how to wait when we're trying to return to normal. We've got to learn how to wait when things aren't going the way we want. And what happens in this moment is when Jesus says, but wait for the gift. Do you realize that? He's not making us wait so he can punish us. He's going, I want you to wait so you can know the gift of my father the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in your life. Too often times, I find myself not waiting, but running ahead of God. And I wonder for you in this season, as we're waiting for everything to come back to normal, as we're waiting for campus to reopen, as we're waiting to see what job changes will happen at work, as we're waiting to see what will happen when schools open, as we're waiting to see what the economic third quarter will reveal, as we're waiting to see what happens in the election, as we're waiting to see how long this, as we're waiting to see until the vaccine, as we're waiting, as we're waiting, as we're waiting. I wonder what would happen if we began to wait more on the Holy Spirit than anything else in our life. I wonder how that would begin to change us as a church. I wonder how that would begin to change our neighborhoods when God begins to prompt us to reach out and to love our neighbors. When God calls us to begin to speak up and share his name. When God begins to call us to serve in new, unique ways because the Holy Spirit is prompting us to do so. See, we're all waiting on something. But Jesus says, church, if you want to be unstoppable, you wait on the Holy Spirit. 
when you get the Holy Spirit, look out. On that day when they preached Christ, the first day, 3,000 people were baptized. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw that coming. You know what they had been doing for 10 days? Praying and waiting. Jesus said to wait. I don't, I'm waiting. And Jesus was like, "Uh uh-huh, keep waiting. Because when my presence comes, it's gonna do more than you could ever dream or imagine, not just in your life, but in this broken world. Matter of fact, they got a document from the second century. There was a Roman inquiry, someone was learning, they were seeing the church who couldn't gather publicly, who were actually being persecuted, lit on fire by Nero, all these things were going on. And in the second century, they, they said, something is different about these Christians. We can't understand it. It's so different than the world. And they literally had this second century document. It's called the Epistle to Diocles from the second century. And he, he asked for an inquiry about what these Christians are. And listen what the report back he got from the second century from people who couldn't gather Christians. It said this about Christians. It said, they Christians, they marry like everyone else and have children but they do not expose, meaning to leave them outside the city to die, their offspring. They don't abort their children, which is a very common Roman practice. They share their food, but not their wives. That's a good idea. They are in the flesh, they're real people, but they don't live according to the flesh. They live on earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. They obey the established laws. Indeed, their private lives, they transcend the laws. They love everyone, but everyone, but by everyone, they are persecuted. They are unknown, yet they are condemned. They are put to death, yet they are brought to life. They are poor, yet they, are, they make many rich. They are in need of everything, yet they abound in everything. They are dishonored, yet they are glorified in their dishonored. They are slandered, yet they are vindicated. They are cursed, yet they bless. They are insulted, yet they offer respect. When they do good, they are punished as evildoers. And when they are punished, they rejoice as though brought to life. And those who hate them are unable to give a reason for their hostility. That's what the history books say about the church in the second century who couldn't gather, but they knew what they were for. I gotta be honest. I wonder what the history books are gonna say about the church in this time. In 10, 20, 50, 100 centuries later. I wonder what they're gonna say about the church. Are they gonna say, oh, church couldn't gather, there's a bunch of safety issues. They just sat in their house, watched online. Or are they going to go, no, it was during that pandemic that the word of God increased and the number of disciples increased and the church 
was unstoppable. In 2020, it was unstoppable. It broke out in ways we couldn't explain. Nobody could contain it. And the church, the church built around the kingdom of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, was unleashed throughout the world. I wonder what history will say about your life in this time. Because history will speak about what you and I did in this season. History will talk about how we either stepped out in faith and obedience to the Holy Spirit or what we did different. Here's what's beautiful about God. He's always asked us to join him. So Jesus was doing in this moment, teaching them about the kingdom of God. You join me, you wait for the gift of my Holy Spirit and then you go and you be the witnesses that I've called you. Here's what he's saying. You trust me with the results. You trust me to carry you through. You trust me and what we find in the book of Acts and what we're gonna find in our daily reading, what we're gonna find over the coming weeks is this, the church in the book of Acts never knew what was gonna happen next, but the Holy Spirit was always on the move. Church, where do you need to begin to step in to what God already has for you? Where do you need to begin to allow him to take control? to allow him to lead the way. Matter of fact, here in a moment, we're gonna take communion. I'm gonna pray for us in a moment. When we take communion, when we take the bread and the juice, I love it. This week I talked to some different people that go, yeah, man, we use, we use the Skyline crackers for our communion. We have different things and all this other stuff. And there's nothing magical about the communion. What we do in this moment is this, we declare, oh God, as broken as the world is, as afraid as we are, we remember you came into this broken world that your kingdom would come into this world, that Jesus, you died and you rose to life. You are our hope. We're not waiting for a future hope. You are our hope. You defeated death. Your Holy Spirit is here. And we are y'all. We are your witnesses, Jesus. Where do you need to begin to align your life with the hope and the unstoppable force of Jesus today? Let me pray for us and we'll take communion and then we're gonna sing. And I hope some oxytocin runs wild through your body as we sing, that you experience the peace and the power and the presence of Jesus today at work or wherever you are. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you that oftentimes we have church mixed up and confused or God we're focused on something completely different but Jesus in this moment you are calling us back to yourself you are calling us to the true essence of who the church is Father, I thank you that you have created this community. God, I thank you that you have called us to be for one another, that God, you don't ask us to do this by ourselves, whether we're single, married, divorced, widowed, child, it doesn't matter. God, you are calling us to walk with you, that you have plans for us that God, we don't even know. And so today, Lord, we put you back in your rightful place. You've always been in control. 
And yet, God, you always seek to redeem us through Jesus. And so we celebrate him right now. God, we thank you. We thank you that you come after us. Today, God, would you give us the courage to just simply join you? God, our hearts and our minds and our lives are yours. So Lord, in your church, by the power of your Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.